What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Welcome back. Good morning. Uh, you know, healthy alive, uh, I believe. Uh, I think I'm still alive. I don't know. Um, yeah, doing well. I'm glad to be in the new place. Glad to be moved in. You know, still have to unpack and do a few other things in the house. But uh, yeah, glad, glad to be here. Well, that's good. I hope it all went well for you. And uh, I know it takes a while to get settled in and, and all that stuff. So I'm sure it's going to take you a little bit to get through all of that and get everything where you want it. And, you know, a year, year and a half from now, when you're still looking at those boxes that you haven't unpacked, <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be like, yeah, I need to I need to go through those and need to figure out where all that stuff's going to go. And you'll just never get to it. Yeah, you, you don't know how true that really is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Uh, all right. Where would you like to start this morning? We've had a lot going on the last few days. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into like any stuff today about like procedures and all that stuff. They got like more lockdowns and crap coming. So uh, tougher restrictions, you see, because the virus is just so out of control. But is it really? Is it really out of control? How bad are those hospitalized numbers, uh, the hospitalization numbers in the U.S.? How bad are they? That's the question right there. That's the multi-million dollar question is how bad are those hospitals? Are they really surged to capacity? Well, we're going to look at Health and Human Services' own numbers. And I'm not going to give you numbers that are two, three, four weeks old either. I'm going to give you numbers that are less than 24 hours old. And then you can decide for yourself, are we actually seeing what we're being told? It's a valid question, especially in the midst of all of this out-of-control stuff. And we've got to take all these measures because we don't know what else to do to stop all these cases. Why? But uh, let's not do that this morning. This morning, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and we'll talk about him later today too, Interesting thing going on with him. He's being accused now of this woman who was uh, discrediting him last week. So now uh, the one that said that he's got like enablers all around him and everything. Now she's accused him of sexual harassment. Do you think she's right? So the so far, the accusation has been pretty vague. There hasn't been any specifics. However, she said she's not the only one. She says that there's multiple women that were um, sexually harassed. So I don't know. She is going up for an election of, of some kind. I think it's more at a local level. So it could just be a game there, you know, politics. Uh, or this could be legit. Um, she could be trying to gen up people to, to stand up. It, it could be another one of those. Um, look, he's governor. I'm OK, fine, whatever. That, that's cool. But because he's going to be on a national scale, they think it's a little bit more of an important position. And maybe that's what triggered them to come out. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's revenge or something, whatever the case is. Really, she could be just a, a disgruntled employee, right? Or, or that had been fired and or, or left. I think she left. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, she did. Leave. She I, I really don't know. Right. So I, I really don't know the details on it. Maybe this is legit. I mean, she if she can come up with some more evidence and, um, you know, we, we get some kind of lawmakers to look into it. That's not a a, um, a task force that Cuomo creates at the state level to look into mm-hmm. it and then find nothing wrong like they did with the retirement home deaths. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. Judging by the, the marching mantra of, of the agenda these days, 
all women should be believed, right? So should yeah. we believe this woman with Cuomo? Well, see, here's the thing. Here's the problem. Cuomo is a quote unquote beloved politician. I mean, clearly, oh, because he has a he? 77% uh, approval rating. According to who? The 35 bums they paid to say yes? Clearly, if this were a Republican, they would be all up in arms about this. And this would be plastered all over the media. And this would be like 24-7 coverage, right? But uh, because it's against the beloved Cuomo, um, nothing will mm -hmm. be done about it. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I, I think this mm -hmm. will get swept under the rug. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to hurt him coming up on his uh, on his birthday party, would you? Uh, oh, oh, did I say that? Did I say that? <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want to stifle that crowd of uh, the who's who that are going to be there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got himself a birthday party coming up. Wait till you hear how much that's going to cost him. Wait till you hear who the guests of honor are. All right. Uh, on over to uh, let me see. You know what? Let's let's do this one because I, I like I like where this guy is and, and I like the uh, I like the sentiment of this guy. There's a restaurant owner who refuses to shut down. After Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf says that he's going to shut down indoor dining, this guy says that he's not going to do it at all. He said he doesn't care. He doesn't care at all on what the governor says. Governor Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania on Thursday announced a wide range ban on activities, including canceling school sports, extracurricular activities, closing casinos. That's a new one. Gyms and other entertainment establishments and shutting down indoor dining. New restrictions begin yesterday. And will be in effect through January fourth. Bruce, are you seeing a you seeing it something that's kind of common here? Yeah, you see, they're all taking the same time. They're all going after the same things. They're all going after the same dates, and they're all putting in curfews for the same time all across the West. This is happening in mainland Europe as well. Have you noticed that they're all in lockstep? Why? Why? I'm curious where they're getting who's giving the marching orders uh -huh. here. Who's giving the marching orders? Because mm -hmm. the, these idiots that are in government, they're not coming up with this of their own accord. They're too damn stupid no. to come up with this stuff. They're followers. They're not leaders. Absolutely. In an interview with WHPTV, a restaurant owner named Phil Guarno, who owns Fenici's restaurant, says he will remain open. And he said that after the governor's office dismissed uh, word of an, indoor, of an indoor dining ban as rumor... Of course, it was just a rumor. No, no, we're not going to we're not going to do that. Same thing with the um, same thing with the East Germans. No one's going to build a wall. That's that's a conspiracy theory. No, no, there's no intention. on. We have no intentions whatsoever on building a wall. You remember that? Mm -hmm. You remember seeing those videos? Just a just a terrible rumor. It's a conspiracy theory is all that is. Uh, and then the governor turned around and imposed it after the uh, after restaurants such as Guarno's had purchased their food. Mm hmm. Interesting timing. Yeah. And it's same thing here. They just announced the, the lockdown here, the tighter lockdown here on Sunday when everything's closed. So what do you think is going to happen Monday morning? It's going to be a mad rush on places. They're going to they're going to cause the uh, they're going to cause rushes. They're going to cause lines and all the rest of it because they're incompetent. We're not accepting it. He said, I have ten thousand dollars worth of food here. I have a staff of 50 employees. They have to get Christmas presents for their kids. The governor needs to operate like any other business. He needs to start realizing that he's affecting people's lives and he needs to give people notice. Now, see, that's see, that's why they, there's a delay on all this. See, we're not going to impose this today. All right. The virus is so bad. We're not going to impose it today. We're not even going to impose it tomorrow or the next day. We're going to impose it three or four days from now because it's so bad now. So we have to do it three to four days from now. Um, you know, I'm 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 with this uh, restaurant owner. In fact, I would probably hire some good old boys to um, stand around and you know tactical gear, tactical, and and have uh -huh. some uh, ARs and just 
you know, just stand guard in case any kind of uh, government official comes in and says you got to shut down. They would be um, kindly escorted off the premises. Uh huh. He says, and I'm quoting here, coming out and saying you're closing 24 hours later. It's not flying anymore. He's talking to the governor in this in his uh, in his statement in, in the media. He says it's just not flying. You're destroying people's lives and people's livelihoods. You're targeting our industry. Of course they are. When I say that they're going to target everything, when they're going to le- level all business, you're, you're not hearing me. You're, you're not hearing me. When I say they're going to get rid of everything, do you know the kind of desperation and industrial and economical wasteland they want to leave behind? They want an absolute destitute population, the likes of which North Korea would be better. That's the level these people are at. I hate to be so serious on the morning, but that's where these people are at. The guy says, you're not targeting my industry anymore. We're standing up to you. Now's the time for restaurants across the Commonwealth to revolt, to save your livelihood, to save your employees' livelihoods, especially before Christmas. It's a terrible situation. I never wanted to be put in it, but Governor Tom Wolf put me in it. And he says that Tom Wolf is not my governor. He goes on. As if that wasn't good enough, he goes on. There comes a point as an American citizen that you have to stand up for your rights and stand up for your civil liberties. There comes a point where I'm willing to sacrifice my own name for my employees and for the rest of the community and other restaurants. It's just got to stop. He says, and if I have to prove my point by being taken out in handcuffs, then so be it. He does say, however, that he does respect the fact that there is a real virus out there. So he's not one of these. He's not a denier. Uh, He believes that the new edicts are a gross infringement on our freedoms, which they are. I don't care if you're an American or wherever. If you're a Westerner, Tell me your uh, your rights are not being stomped on. Yeah, the first we, we've time kind of talked about it. We've kind of talked about it before with the Constitution. Yeah, it was recently that I I actually found the the clause in the, um, was the twelfth or fourteenth amendment that says if the government does uh, uh, like these lockdowns to where they close down your business or confiscate any of your property, they're required by constitutional law to give you fair compensation. So where's the fair compensation for these businesses that are being no money. mandated to shut down? There's no money. He did say the first time everybody was okay with, uh, with it because the Paycheck Protection Program money was there. And it all started like flatten the curve for two weeks. Does anybody even remember that at this point? Two weeks, flatten the curve? Yep, no problem. No problem. Does anybody remember that? I'm not one to really do civil disobedience, None of us are, but we're going to have to. But it's got that was my quote right there. But it's gotten to the point where it's really do or die. It's time to stand up against this tyranny. I like this guy. Uh, He says he doesn't like being in the limelight. It's way too political for him. He said that he honestly felt like he was in a moral dilemma. Says if I close, I'm doing more harm to the people who take care of me and my family and my kids. But he says, but this is not about me. This is about my team. If everybody stands up and does this, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Oh, yeah, they're going to shut you down. Oh, yeah, they're going to find you. They're going to take everything you got anyway. Don't you understand? If you don't stand up to it, they'll take everything you have anyway. Yes, they're going to come after you harder. They're going to come after you faster. But that's what this is. This is economic warfare. <laughs> they, they tried to do that. Oh, they did this in the 20th century with militaries and with soldiers. They can't do that anymore. People figured that out. This is a multi-pronged attack from all these different areas. So it's economical. It's biological. And guess what comes after that? Cyber. Oh, yeah, that card's up the sleeve. If they fail in these two respects, that one's coming. They'll turn our lights out. You watch. Anyway, all right. Virgin Galactic. Let's talk some space travel. Virgin Galactic. They aborted Spaceship 2's suborbital space flight they were going to make. So I guess they didn't get a chance to do it. Uh, I read last night that the engines didn't fire. 
Virgin Galactic's White Knight 2 aircraft carrying Spaceship 2 vehicle named VSS Unity by the company took off from Spaceport America in southern New Mexico. Uh, piloting Spaceship 2 were Dave Maggie, the company's chief test pilot, uh, and former astronaut, uh, NASA astronaut CJ Strucko. Uh, Struco. Uh, the VSS Unity depart or separated from the White Knight 2 at about 11.15 a.m. Eastern Time, according to a webcast from nasaspaceflight.com. Hmm. I have to watch that. Just for clarification, this is um, this craft is launched from like um, a civilian airliner, right? Did, don't they have it strapped to the top of it or bottom of it or something? And then it's released and it fires its engines? Yeah, it's kind of like how they used to fly the space shuttle around. You know, they would fly it on the back of another airliner from one place to another, if you remember that. I do. Yeah, I, I was really just specifying for the listener in case they didn't, weren't aware. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, the space plane appeared to ignite its hybrid rocket engine, but almost immediately shut it down. The vehicle then glided back to Spaceport America, landing at 11, 12, 27 a.m. Pilots and vehicles are back safe and sound, the company said. Ignition sequence for the rocket motor did not complete. Vehicle and crew are in great shape. Company tweeted in UK. We have several motors ready at Spaceport America. We will check the vehicle and be back to flight soon. I don't know about you, but uh, if I go up and I'm in a plane, you know, thank God I'm not a pilot. And I know that these guys are trained on how to do this. But if I've got an engine that, that flames out, can you imagine gliding one of these things back and landing it? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's how they're designed, is to glide back and land. So it, it shouldn't be that bad, but... That's what Space Shuttle did. It, it just kind of right. glided back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it wasn't too rough of a flight for them. That said, it, it's disappointing that they had a, a flame out, that they, the engines didn't ignite. That, that's kind of uh, disappointing. Which, did you talk about the, um, the SpaceX launch that happened here last week? They tested the uh, uh, star, uh, spaceship? Or the Starship? I think you and I talked about it briefly, uh, but I think it was right at the end, and we really didn't get into all the details on it. But I think it it turned into, you chalked it up to a bad fuel mix uh, on the landing, right? Yes. Yeah, I said it. it, what it looked like based on the the color of the flame, it looked like it had too much uh, methane and not enough oxygen in the mix. And it looked like it, it didn't have the oxidizer and just basically burned out. Which, okay, it's trial and error. So I understand and it's it's just one of those things that it, uh, well Musk gave it a one in three right so it's it's not like that yeah. it's yeah it's not like it's a failure as a matter of fact the only way to learn is to fail right they so, said it was a successful one so a successful failure <laughs> so like, that's as soon as I looked at it I was like well yeah there's not a whole lot left I mean you and I were watching it and uh, I mean yeah but considering they they landed it with one engine still going right the other two engines is what is what burned out. And what it looked like is one of the engines um, blew uh, the O2 line, so the oxygen line. That's what it looked like it did, or or the engine kind of burst, or there was a, f- a flame out or something. I don't know what the heck it happened, but there was a burst. The engine lost its gimbal, and then uh, it, it started leaking oxygen. And of course, anybody that knows how these things operate, oxygen is extremely explosive and flammable. But well, it's, um, yeah, when other things are introduced into oxygen like if you have an oxygen rich environment and you ignite a match a match is no longer just that nice slow burn a match literally combusts and explodes uh if you have the right oxygen mix so it turns things that are are minor ignitions into highly explosive reactions but bruce if i strike a match why doesn't it explode 
not the same level of oxygen. But, I, yeah. yeah, it's because we breathe mostly nitrogen. <laughs> yeah, um, our atmosphere is mostly nitrogen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's good that that they have these. Uh, back to that, it's it's good that they have these these little errors and these uh, these. I wouldn't call it a disaster. I would have called it a success. But they gathered a lot of valuable data, and now they know where they went wrong and and what they need to do in order to make it right. And this is not what you want to happen, obviously, when you have people and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cargo on board that thing. And as we understand it, the finished product, I mean, this was just a prototype, but the finished product of this is going to be, was it like uh, twice that size? Yeah. So the finished product is going to be something like 400 feet tall or something like that. I mean, it's going to be pretty big. And the the current one they're testing was just the the final stage or, or the capsule that would be holding um, the passengers and the cargo, the the remaining bit. So that's like one third of the size of it. The other two thirds is like the the first stage, the booster stage, if you will. And I think it had something like 20 some engines there or something like that. 22, maybe 25, somewhere in there on the first stage. So because the second stage they were testing only had three. How many mistakes did did they have with SpaceX in the beginning when they were developing Falcon 9? They had quite a lot of explosions on the pad, right? Uh, I would have to look up and see what the actual number was. But yeah, they did have... They did have a few failures. Um, the, the thing about it was, is it was less than NASA did in the early days. So obviously you can chalk that up to, you know, well, the, we had the together yeah, with NASA. Yeah, we had that data. So, I mean, we, we knew in the early days of like the right. Mercury and the Apollo programs, we knew where a lot of that went wrong. Um, so it looks like the Falcon 9 series had, um, it's been launched 104 times, 102 of those full mission successes and only one particular fa- failure. And one total loss of a spacecraft, which was the I think that was the the, the one launch that they had with the um, Starship, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we we already had a Starship loss once, didn't we? It was the first one. It didn't even fly. It was just a pressure test and it exploded. Yeah. And they were also having troubles with the engines originally, I think. And uh, they, they worked those out. And these are the same engines that the Falcon 9 uses. So just more of them. I, I think they call them uh, Raptor. Um Raptor engines, so Raptor they're, engines, yeah, yeah, they're much smaller uh, than the NASA equivalent, which the NASA ones use hydrogen for their fuel, whereas the Raptor uses uh, methane. They they essentially have the same amount of thrust, uh, but they're the methane ones are slightly cooler by a few hundred degrees. Well, the goal here is Mars, uh, and that's where they want to go. But I was reading something this morning that says that water on Mars is not as widespread as previously thought, which we had talked about uh, sub subterranean lakes and, and all that stuff. And I mean, frozen polar uh, caps and all that uh, on, on Mars. And they say that water on Mars in the form of brines may not be as widespread as previously thought, according to a new study by researchers at the Arkansas Center for Space and Planetary Sciences. Researchers combined data on brine evaporate, evaporation rates collected through experiments at the center's Mars simulation chamber with a global weather circulation model of the planet to create planet-wide maps of where brines are most likely to be found, which isn't that what these are? Are these, are these like frozen oceans or something? So brines, for people that don't know, are like it's salt rich right. uh, water. And um, so basically, yeah, it, it could be a lake. It could be a pond. It could be just, you know, a, a small cavitation or a cave or whatever that has a small uh, pool of water. Um, we don't really know the, you know, the, the size of these areas. And also, we don't know how deep, uh, how deep into the Mars, uh, Martian surface you would go. Um, 
because you know these scans they were doing i don't know how deep it goes so you may be able to go you know one kilometer down and you might find a lot more uh as an example uh i know here on earth we have tons of underwater lakes and rivers and all kinds of stuff well here's here's the question though do we know what the the core of Mars is made up as? Do, do we know that? Or are we just theorizing about it? Uh, I think it's theorizing. It's probably some kind of metallic, you know, iron or something like that, similar to Earth. But is it superheated? Probably. It's probably uh, pretty warm uh, just because, you know, Mars isn't a, a totally frozen wasteland. I mean, it's cold there, but it's not, you know, uh, super, super cold. So I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure... Uh, Mars does have a molten core. Uh, they're guessing it's, um, it looks like um, iron. Yeah, FE iron. So Okay, interesting. Because, I mean, that, that would stand to reason that's, okay, so you're going to have, okay, so it's going to be a little bit warmer underground in certain parts. But there, as far as we know, there's no volcanic activity. Is that correct on Mars? That is a question. I've never actually thought of that. Uh, it says uh, there are no active volcanoes on Mars currently. So, uh, no, it's it's more or less dead in that sense. OK, well, I mean, I guess, Bruce, if you have a whole alien civilization living underground, you know, subterranean on Mars, then obviously they, it can't be geoseismically active. So, I mean, well, they, they have to be safe. Under there. It was. They're saying it was at one point. So clearly it was when the aliens came in, they they did right. some kind of geological, you know, plate control and they're controlling the the whole tectonic plates there and keeping it from having earthquakes and volcanoes and stuff. So clearly it's the aliens, yeah. Which raises the question, is it uh, do these same people, I mean, cuz we we have people here that believe that the earth is hollow. There, there's a door in Antarctica where you can actually go in and there's a whole nother civilization that lives under... I'm not joking. I think we're the exiles, by the way, in that theory. Are we the exiles? Yeah, those of us living on the surface of the Earth, we're the exiles of that society. So this is oh. like Australia, uh, the entire surface. And, you know, so... I see. Well, uh, anyway, uh, scientists took all the major phase changes of liquids into account, freezing, boiling, evaporation, instead of just a single phase, as has commonly been in the approach in the past, uh, said Vincent... Uh, Chevrer, uh, who is the associate professor and first author of a study published in the Planetary Science Journal of former U of A doctoral students, Edward G. Rivera, Valentin. It's looking at all the properties at the same time instead of one at a time. So they do this uh, simultaneously. Then we build maps taking into account all those processes simultaneously. Doing so indicates that previous studies may have overestimated how long brines remain on the surface in the cold. The most important conclusion is that if you do not take all these processes together, you always overestimate the stability of brines. That is the reality of the situation. And this is going to be one of the key components in setting up a, a refueling depot and manufacturing uh, rocket fuel. Is that is that right from Mars? So, you, I mean, you, you'd be able to come back? Yeah, so they needed to find water to uh, have a return trip. So basically what they do is they separate the hydrogen and oxygen uh, in, in water, and they use that as the propulsion system. So you would, uh, they, they call that hydrazine, right? So it's a mixture of hydrogen and oxygen, and that's how you get your um, uh, rocket fuel. Fascinating. All right, uh, we are out of time this morning, but welcome back, Bruce. Nice to have you back. Uh, We will be back with you later on this afternoon. So thank you for sitting down this morning. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.